we are living in someone's false ARG. This is what the Great Reset is. They're just creating what they want the next story to be. And we also are seeing the revealing right now to understand how this 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 realm works so that we can walk through it with, with greater awareness and consciousness. So then going back to the whole thing of like, you know, why does mysticism work? Why, does, why is synchronicity important? Why is looking at rivers, looking at where you are important? Because that is a baseline reality, which is deeper than the ARG. You are going to connect to something. That is the human experience. Mark. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's good. How are you, my friend? <laughs> excellent. Excellent. It's your, your big week. Is this my big week? I think it is. I thought every week was the big week. <laughs> well, that's your, your perspective, but I don't know. Undoubtedly, it is my birthday week. Right. That is for certain. Well, that now, that, certain. now that you say that, I am remembering what you said on my birthday. And I guess what did I, got, I say? I guess I got the answer to my question already, which is, you, you know, in the sense of, you know, meaning, a lot of the meaning that's derived from our birthdays is sort of superficial. And all <laughs> it really means is that we've gone, you know, through one cycle, the sun is, has completed a cycle. Well, I, if I recall, Sam's response to that was how I, I, he doesn't want to have me around on Christmas because I ruin everybody's fun. <laughs> uh, and there's a truth to that. I was being silly when I said that. There's, there's a truth to that, but then there's also like, yeah, it's your birthday week. It's fun to celebrate. So I, I was, I was being coy when I said, when I was, when I was acting like I knew it wasn't my big week. I am in fact excited for my birthday. I'm glad to hear that. Any anything strange happen? Anything out of the ordinary? I mean, it is a a milestone birthday. All right, all right. We got a whole bunch of a whole <laughs> bunch of interesting things to to go down our list. All right. So so let's begin with this. So I think last week and probably many of the previous weeks as well, I have been commenting about my disappointment, confusion, whatever word I want to use to describe. I don't, I'm not certain exactly what it would be of the misplacing of many of my personal items, the missing of my, my personal items, right? I, I talked about books missing. I've talked about crystals missing. I've talked about other sort of stuff. So the most significant, like the other things I probably would have, would have just like written off. But the fact of the matter is these particular stones, which I've carried around for, for quite a bit, they disappeared. And, and that's not really common for me. And so for whatever reason, like I wasn't certain why they disappeared, but I'm like, all right, they disappeared. This isn't normal. And, and that, that had been, 
in my mind space and, and just kind of playing around with all the different possibilities of, of, of why that could be. Okay. So I've got an update. Tell me. All right. So by any chance, did you see, I put out a video last week, Zuck player one and the path to the matrix. Did you watch that? Yes. So then I'm going to tell you the story that I told at the end of that. So, but I'll, I'll tell it again for the listening audience in the event that they have not uh, heard the story or seen the video. So as if you saw the video, I kind of wrap it up with a comparison of the word meta as in metaverse with one T to the Buddhist concept of meta with two T's and just kind of pointing out their, their, their inverse relationship. So when I, when I was creating my slides, this was like a day or two before I recorded the, the presentation, but I had all of the slides which I used for the present state, the presentation completed. I, I just finished making the sides for the meta with the two T's and, and was just kind of going back into the concept of, of meta as a, as a, a Buddhist principle. But it's, it's bigger than Buddhism. It's just like that's the word that ties it to Buddhism. And what meta, what meta is, is an approach to life with loving kindness. And loving kindness doesn't necessarily mean nice, but it's, it's a soft approach to life, to people and stuff like that. And there are people who follow that as a dictate saying like, okay, this is what's going to be my primary or a primary direction in which I meet life. They, they practice things called uh, meta meditations and, and, you know, you'll get into a meta meditation and, and they're often an internal, internally restating a, a, a mantra or some sort of phrase and usually something along that's going to be about loving kindness. So there was once upon a time, maybe like five or six years ago, I used to do maybe not exactly meta specific meta Buddhist meditations, but, but similar, similar meditations, ones which were more about loving detachment. That, that always resonated with me personally for a concept. And so after creating these slides and seeing, reading all of this sort of stuff about, about the Buddhist practice, I'd say to myself, I'm like, all right, let me go and let me go and do one of these meditations. Let me go and do a meta meditation. I just did this presentation. I want to talk about this and I want to kind of invoke those qualities very, very consciously within me. So uh, I was down in the basement. I finished the slides and in the basement, which which I don't spend that much time in, in the basement. It's unfinished. It's kind of cold and damp. Not exactly the most cozy of places. But nonetheless, I was working on the presentation down in the basement. And then I walked over. There's a sofa downstairs where the boys sometimes like to play video games. So I lie on the sofa. And I also brought with me, I, I, I recently made a small little bag. And though I lost my primary crystals, I had some secondary ones and I threw them in that bag. I've been carrying them around with me. And I've even, I've even in planted the idea within my mind and within the crystals that such a thing can happen is that, all right, crystals, help me find this other crystal. What's going on? So I, and I did that maybe a week or so ago, like this idea of linking these crystals, which I'm carrying around with me to, to revealing where, where the missing crystal is. So, all right. So I go and I lie on the sofa to have this meta 
meditation. And when I lie down, I put the bag of crystals kind of like on my solar plexus on, on, on my torso. And I go through, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And when I started coming out of it, I, I was adjusting my body and just kind of like, you know, getting back into the body, moving around just a little bit, still lying down, still with my eyes shut. And I felt the bag of crystals fall off of my torso. And they fell onto like the sofa. And after a moment or two, still dark in the basement, I reach, I reach down around my body on the sofa to pick up the bag of crystals. And I start feeling and I'm like, I can't find this bag of crystals. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because it could have only fallen five or six inches and it didn't hit the floor. I would have heard it hit the floor. I'm like, where's this bag? And I'm starting to feel around. And, and the idea crosses my mind. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm committed to this, but the idea undoubtedly crosses my mind. I'm like, I just felt, I felt the crystals dematerialize and go into another dimension. I'm like, it's the only logical conclusion I can make because I felt them on my chest and then they fell off and now I can't find them anywhere. I'm open to that idea. I'm not exactly like committed to it, but I'm open to the idea. So I stand up and the sofa, how it's set up there, there are, are two cushions which you would sit or I was lying on. They're on the bottom or, you know, the seat part of, of, of the sofa. So I put my hand in between the, the, the two cushions thinking maybe it would have fallen. The bag would have fallen in the, in that, in that crack. But I didn't really think so because they're pressed up against each other. It's not like there's a gap between them. They're, they're, they're pressed up, but nonetheless, I reach my hand down and I feel the fabric of the bag. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, so much for the dematerialization. I'm like, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a truth about Occam's razor, you know, and, you know, usually the most logical explanation is going to be, is going to be the right uh, answer. And the most logical explanation was it fell off of my, uh, fell off my chest and somehow fell in, in, in that crack and went down there. So I pick up the bag. And as soon as I pick up the bag, I, I notice underneath it, was my missing crystal. The missing crystal from a month ago was underneath the bag. After I did the meta meditation, after the bag of crystals fell off my chest and landed right on top of it, or possibly pulled it in from another dimension and placed it underneath it. One of those two things happened. I love it. I knew it. I had a <laughs> feeling that was going to be the case. Somehow your other crystals would show you the path. Well, I'll tell you what, the, there were two that disappeared. One, which is a Herkimer diamond, which was given to me by this guy who I met up in Herkimer. Like that was the primary one. That one has a lot of meaning on multiple levels. And the other crystal is a crystal I purchased at a crystal shop, a rather recent crystal, which I purchased also. And it was a replacement for something else that lost, was lost. And I was okay with the one that was lost because uh, it was tied to a part of my life. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that part of my life is ready to be gone. That's why it disappeared. But I needed, I had an empty slot in my bag. And so I'm like, all right, I 
got to go find a crystal that fits in this bag. And so that was my, my criteria for the secondary crystal. And I got one basically because of size. That's often how I like to do things, take away preference and allow something, at least uh, I'll have a logical reason for deciding what my choice would be and then figuring out why it was significant later. So anyway, that second crystal still has not appeared. So my senses, my senses, my senses is that I still, that that one was just a holder one and there will be uh, a third one will show up in my life at some time in the future and I'll know that when it shows up. So that was that was that's my takeaway of the whole thing. Well, that uh, or that's my takeaway regarding the second missing crystal. But the reemergence of the second of the 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 other crystal, which I made reference to, the Herculean diamond, and this kind of like month long uh, period of which I've just experienced and just everything which had been going on in my mind space on terms of you're turning 50 and there's an eclipse and all that sort of stuff and what's going on in the world and, and what do you want to do? Like that was, you know, it was kind of weighing heavy on me in the last month. And so when the, and that was also when that crystal was gone. So the remer the reemergence of it was kind of a, a, a marker, if you will, a threshold. This is how I was taking it as like, all right, well, that that is done. And now I'm stepping into my actual birthday week. So that being that being said, three, three interesting things then immediately happen the next day. All right. All magic things come in threes. All magic things come in threes, <laughs> except when they come in sixes. So the first one was I get this I get this text from some guy. I don't know who the guy is. And he's like, Hey, I'm in town. I'm thinking about moving to Lancaster. Is there a, and I'm here with my parents. Is there any way that we could hire you for the day and you could give us a tour? Because, you know, I'm interested in both like your work in the area, but I'm also thinking about moving to the area. And to be quite honest, this is my 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 ideal thing. If I could do anything in the entire world, would just be a tour guide. It would literally be a tour guide. I love giving tours. So I'm like, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. I love the I love the idea of going out with with someone and their parents and like meeting them in all of these different ways. So like inside, I'm just tickled. I'm tickled about being able to do this. So I'm like, all right, that's 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 a that's a good one. And then I was approached by someone else who um, who watched that meta video and they were impressed by the way just the slides which I created and, and just more more about the overall structure of it. And he says to me, he's like, hey, would you would would this be something that would be of interest to you that I could hire you to help me create something for um for government, of all things, he works in government. And I just start laughing to myself. I'm like, look at this. Like, look, look, look who's come calling. It's the government. The government is asking me to go and help them. And I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of laughing at like the whole irony of, of this whole sort of thing uh, of just like, you know, kind of my, 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 my personal take on, on authority and so forth. And, and, and that just tickled me. And then right after that, I get an email from this guy and this guy's a 33 degree Mason, or at least he signs his, his, his email that way. And he's like, hello, I'm so-and-so. I am a member of such and such Masonic, Masonic lodge. And within this lodge, I run a, a small group 
of particularly esoteric brothers, Masonic brothers. And I would like to invite you to come to our quarterly meeting and present your findings on the Susquehanna River. Oh my! And then he he signs it with the 33 degrees next to his name. And I'm just like, I mean, my jaw just dropped because I'm laughing at, at, at just like the, the timing of everything, the timing of the, the, the missing crystal and the work up at the birthday and, and, and all of these sort of things. And then this idea of like, oh, I'm going to go and sit around with a bunch of 33 degree masons and I'm going to be talking Susquehanna River magic. Wow. I, I don't want to infringe, but that is so synchronous with a conversation I had just 10, 15 minutes before we talked this morning. So continue, please. Well, that's basically it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't done any, any of these things. Oh. And, 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 and so, so it's just the fact that they popped up. It's right. the timing of the popping up. And then also kind of what, what, they, what they are. What they like they the seem like three separate paths to take. Yep. <laughs> I tend to agree with you. I mean, the the first one seems to be in in most resonance, uh, but the other two seem to be interesting. I mean, why I say the third one was so synchronous is because my friend Gabriel, who goes by uh, Slick Dissonant on YouTube, he's been on he's been on Innerverse the podcast you've been on a couple times. I know times. Gabriel. So you're familiar with Gabriel. He jumped into a Telegram live stream that I was fumbling around with before this conversation, and he was like, hey, I I couldn't sleep last night, and, and I found that there might be this connection between Baphomet and the Susquehanna River. And I said, okay, tell me more. I was thinking, you know, since the timing worked out so well, Maybe we can get him in on like a, a three-way call. And, right uh, now? <laughs> well, like not, live? Live. As, like, yeah, I mean, this is this is real high wire walking because he, he's not prepared for this. We don't know what he's going to say. If we could do that, I'll 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 hold. I would love to have All right, Gabriel so on the call. I think we should patch him in. I was going to say maybe we would wait, but the excitement is brimming and I feel like it just we should just get him in and and see what he has to say and see where it connects. I think that sounds fantastic. Gabriel, how are you, my friend? I'm wonderful, Michael. Good to hear your voice, man. Likewise, likewise. I just heard some 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 inch Mark just set this up. He told me that you just reached out to him and you found some interesting correspondence between the Susquehanna River and Baphomet. And I'm curious, we'll put you on the spot. I would love to hear what you got to share with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a very good reason to think that the Baphomet is related to... So let's go and define some terms. So Baphomet, let's just define who that is. Then we'll go to to the thirteenth constellation. So we've got Baphomet, who's the the what what is it? Is it a goat headed god of the of the Knights Templar? Yeah, he it's would. In Jacques, yeah. And so uh, we know about Jacques Molay and the Knights Templar on Friday the thirteenth. They've got a big a big thing for that thirteen. So I took the sign, the constellation of Ophiuchus, and I flipped it. I inverted it. 
USB and put the it glyph, next to. Do you mean the glyph? The glyph of the glyph. The constellation itself. The oh, actual the constellation. The the yep. the collection of stars. You got it. Yeah. Okay. And I put it uh, down next to your map of the Susquehanna. Okay. And we have a very strong correlation as. Uh, we know the Baphomet has that uh, two fingers up and two fingers down. Ophiuchus is uh, not only is he holding the serpent between his legs, much like the Baphomet, but also Ophiuchus has one foot up and one foot down. He's he's stepping off of the mundane and off into like a portal into okay. the other realms. He's literally removing himself from the zodiac, and so. That was the first thing I did is the put the Ophiuchus, flipped it, because when you look down on a map, east is one way, west is the other way. But when you look up at the stars, it inverts. It becomes inverted. And so I had to flip the constellation. And sure enough, it's very, very close correspondence. And now we also know that the Baphomet generally has that solve on one arm and coagula on the other arm, like much like a yin-yang symbol. And your discovery about anthracite coal at one arm of the Susquehanna and uh, Herkimer diamonds at the other arm of the Susquehanna has a very powerful uh, solva and coagula correspondence. Is anyone there? I'm, I'm going to drive into better reception. I'm going to head into town. I'm kind of in remote location. So can you guys call me back in 10? Yeah, that works. Yeah. I get much reception. I just got to go to the road. All right. We'll be uh, in touch. Mike and I will digest what you just gave us. And you, you left me a message in the Telegram. So I, I have a good idea what you're breaking down. So we'll, we'll talk to you in a sec. All right. So can you do me, since you're a little bit more clear as to where Gabriel's going with this, can you walk me through what you think, how you understood what he just said? Right. Well, when he broke it down to me, it was a little bit like the connection between Ophiuchus and the Susquehanna River West and East Branch that he brought to my attention. This little picture here, which I can put in the episode description the constellation Ophiuchus, he was saying, mirrors the Susquehanna River. And then in that same breath, the iconic vi figure of Baphomet with his arms up and down, you know, mm -hmm. one of them going north conceivably and the other one going south, just like the right. west and east branch with the, the body being the, you know, the main part of the, the river. The reason I immediately found this incredibly synchronistic is just last night I was talking to an artist from Philadelphia. His name's Henry Hablack. He makes some really, really awesome artwork and, and tattoo work. He mentioned that the center of Philadelphia aligned to the sunset and su or the sunrise on the on October 13th. So, which is that same day, Friday the 13th, significant to Mr. D. Molay, so, or Jacques Molay, right? 
So that's that's p- partly why I found it synchronistic to bring up. But he's saying that the so so let me let me let me just clarify if I understand what what you're saying. What the 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 artist said was, did you say the set, Center City Philadelphia or what is in alignment on sunrise on October thirteenth? City Hall, where where City Hall, right? Uh, okay, and then how is it in alignment? Like the road it's on is in alignment with points to where the sunrise is on the horizon. Is that what it is? Did you go into any more specifics? I always like to to have a little bit more clarity in what what those words mean. He associated it with the doors and where each because there's four doors on. Oh, where the doors are are oriented. Huh. Right. Okay. Okay. So probably if you're standing where the doors are and you're fa- and I'm assuming they're going to face the east because that's where the sunrise is directly every two points makes them but i bet you there's a road or something like there's got to be a third point which makes it like very clear that's what the alignment is that's that's what that's what my guess would be that's what my guess would be right for so, what the alignment is so yeah that that conversation we went a little bit all over the place and he you know he's not an expert in anything he just lives in philly so i asked him a little bit about anything he's learned and and found and he mentioned that and he said that not only is it oriented with the sunrise on October 13th, it's also in alignment with the Freemason building. So it, it could create a triangle in that sense, because you have three points. But then, you know, Gabriel comes to me with this, which connects to the Freemasons, the Templars, the Friday the 13th, that whole thing. And he's basically saying that Yod, the Yod of the river is the the double terminated Herkimer courts. So Yod being like Kabbalistic interpretation, sort of like yin yang almost. The uh, okay, and then the the other source of the branch is the smokeless fire of the Hebrews. He puts it anthracite coal, and he was saying that the the tattoos on the or the what's written on the Baphomet's arm is Salve coagula and he's saying that could be a reference possibly to the anthracite and the herkimer at least mirrored not maybe not referenced but but just what's uh, the, what I, I i don't quite see how we jump from oh fuck us is that what is, is that how i pronounce it and 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 baphomet how what's the link there is it just the up and the down the one leg up and the one leg down and the one arm and uh, up in the one arm down and the general kind of like overlap of, of what those, they, those two um, symbols represent, or is there more to it than just that? Well, and this is a good opportunity to explain a little bit more on Baphomet. Cause I was, I re- I reached for one of my books to get like a proper, a proper definition. And, you know, he's very associated with the Templars and that day, the 13th, is significant to the Templars. Well, Ophiuchus, where that connects, is it's the 13th, allegedly the 13th zodiac sign, right? So that I think that's where the connection comes in. Oh, through the 13th. Right. Through the 13th yeah. and then the letter M. But also, you know, the possibly even the, the symbol of, you know, the snake holder, right? This, this figure that's... You know, it's funny, Henry also mentioned this. This is the other sort of synchronistic connection. 
because he went to the Grimerica, you know, contact at the cabin. So he's familiar with all this alternative history stuff. And, and, and David Matheson, who talks a lot about Ophiuchus, I mentioned him and that's how that got brought up. And he said that, yeah, oh yeah, Ophiuchus, I've seen this symbol in all sorts of ancient art. You know, it's the, the snake holder, you know, it goes back through many, many different cultures. And if you look at the Baphomet with the horns, you could maybe interpret the snakes being similar. The way they hold them, they're usually oriented, curving in different directions, just like the, you know, the Baphomet's arms are going in different directions. Yeah, that, that, that um, I can see that. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is all off the, off the dome, as they say right now. <laughs> Off the dome, that's what they say. So I'm looking at, so one of the things which, which Gabriel was saying, and, and it, it's a shame he's not here, is I never thought, he, he linked, he used the letter M, and I don't know if this is specifically what he meant because it was, it was breaking up, but he tied the, the shape of, of the, the Susquehanna River to a letter M, and it does kind of look like it. And M, obviously, the 13th letter is, is kind of where that linkage goes through it. And then you were going to go and, and give a, a proper, a proper definition or paint a proper picture of the significance of Baphomet. So let me, let me pause right now and allow you to do that because I want to talk a little bit about Baphomet, but I want to make certain we're all on the same page as to what we're talking about. So it's defined as the Androgen, so androgynous goat of Mendes, and according to the Western, especially the French Kabbalist, the Templars were accused of worshiping Baphomet, and Jacques de Molay, the Grand Master of the Templars, with all his brother Masons, suffered death in consequence. But esoterically and philologically, the word never meant goat nor even anything so objective as an idol. The term means, according to Von Hammer, baptism or initiation into wisdom. From the Greek word bath and ism, or I don't read Greek, so, <laughs> and from the relation of the baphometis to pan. So this this is a, coming from a theosophical glossary, so take that for uh, what it's worth, but they're basically saying that Baphomet is, is a, a symbol of initiation to certain groups, particularly the Kabbalists, French Kabbalists and the Templars. And he's and a goat-headed looking deity. You know, people have seen it. It's definitely one of the more, I want to say, like explicit or maybe shocking kind of occult symbols that people kind of throw around and say, look, it's Satanism, but, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is it's it's you know a freemason templar type amalgamation of different ideas into a a symbol right and 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 if if your understanding of freemasonry or, or templarism is also satanic well then it's one of the same but we i don't know i'm not a freemason i'm not a i'm not a templar i've certainly right. read interesting arguments to suggest both sides of, the, uh, of that of that debate what what struck my interest was when you said that that the definition that you read from, it was from a, a theosophical glossary or dictionary or, or, or something that comes out of the theosophical perspective of, you know, of reality. And 
theosophy undoubtedly has as a theosophy as as an organization and a, a capital T philosophy or or approach to understanding reality. I mean, that is marked the Susquehanna River through through the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown being right where the river begins, right at the at the source, because the entire story of why Cooper why Cooperstown is tied to the Baseball Hall of Fame goes straight through theosophy. Like all of the characters involved are major players with the theosophical movement and that's why they're 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 saying it's there. So that that adds another interest to me when you when you serendipitously used a theosophical definition or glossary to to give us a definition of Baphomet. And so there's that. And then also, and this is where I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm cloudy, but I know that Tracy Twyman, that was a very, very, very big, that, that, that was a big topic for her in a lot of her work. And I'm not a, by any stretch of the imagination an expert of, of what and whom Baphomet represents and according to what people, but I do know that it is very, very rich within Western secret societies, particularly mystical secret societies. Right. Right. And, and yeah, when you mention that name, it definitely brings a sense of the real darkness that's associated with that symbol too, because, you know, we don't need to get into, you know, her story, but people can find that out through other podcasts and, and, you know, (laughs) our condolences, you know, I don't know really what to say other than it's, it's a really sad thing that happened to someone who was interested in a lot of the same subjects that we are, but yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely not (laughs) light, secret society stuff it's it's definitely deep deep concepts and probably associated with some murky dark stuff as well but that's why i was wondering you know what you would think of this when gabriel brought it up you know and and like the connection especially in light of these you know particular people asking you to to give a presentation at their quarterly meeting that that that's that's exactly what that's exactly what crossed through my mind is when I had not I had not linked either Abukas or or Baph, Baphomet to the river, but it makes sense. Like I can see, like it's not a it's not a big jump to see that connection in the in the way which Gabriel described he got there. Like I'm like okay, I can understand that logic. That makes sense. There's there, there's something there. And that would be just to itself. That was all there was. But the fact of the matter is that part of the nature of our of of this of this conversation series, which we're recording, has to do with synchronicity. That has to do with timing. Has to do with all this other stuff. And the very fact, the very fact that that I told you that story, and the very fact that I heard from you know not just not just from. A Freemason, but you know, seemingly higher-ranked Freemason. I talked to lower-ranked Freemasons, which have had an interest in my work. But someone who is initiated at that level has gone through the entire, at least to that level of, of education or revealing, whatever that would be. I don't know. I'm not one of those, but I can imagine. And so, so I, I've been. Since that invitation, I've been, you know, kind of going back, seesawing back and forth as to, <laughs> you know, what is this? You know, going, well, part of the, the the voice in the head is, 
is the, you know, being aware of the Tracy Twyman story, right? That's, that's, I, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen to me, but like that pops in the head. I'm like, what? I'd be invited into the Viper pit. But then at the same time, I don't think it's quite so simple. You know, I'm not saying just because someone's a Freemason that they're, or even a 33 degree Freemason, there's something nefarious to them. Like I'm not, I don't look at things quite that simply. So I've got all of these, these kind of like ideas bouncing in my head. And then you drop this. Like, oh, maybe there is for, maybe they are coming from, looking for more of a, of a, they're looking for my information to fit within their understanding, which might be, they have a piece of the puzzle as well. Maybe it is something like this. Who knows? Right. Right. Well, and that's, that's like the curiosity killed the cat type thing. You know, it's like, how, how, how much do you want to know? And, and what exactly do you want to know? And I think when you start getting in the business of trying to know certain people, maybe, yeah, that's, or certain, you know, people, not people, but certain, you know, otherworldly demigods or, or entities, you know, this kind of thing. When you start interacting with them, which, you know, I know you and, and I don't really mess around with that kind of stuff. It's not on our bucket list to to make a connection with with another worldly entity. I don't know, speaking for myself, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's kind of the risk you take when you learn this stuff you know with with knowledge comes power and and that's why you know love i think is the most important ingredient and when you you trust your your gut and you you have a good sense of like how you maybe read people i mean you can never be too sure but when you read someone you if you're if you're heart-centered it's seems to me that you can tell who else is heart-centered and, and people who, who do, you know, we find out commit evil acts and whatnot. You hear in this stories, you know, people have strange feelings about them. And you, you have this sort of psychic sense that comes up a lot in this whole true crime world. And I think that's very telling of, of who we are as human beings and our ability. So I, I don't, I'm not worried, you know, looking into I'm all this worried. stuff. And I know, yeah, I, I had a feeling you weren't either, but... You know, at the same time, we're we're heart centered. So I think if you interacted with somebody who could possibly uh, harm you in any way, you would have you know some indicators, right? But then when you apply that to the you know entity realm, it's like, I mean, who's to say they could be taking your your crystal? I lost a, a crystal labradorite that I got at the uh, porcupine fest this summer. Haven't seen that in a couple months. You know, when you were talking about that earlier, that came to mind. I'm like, you know what? I have not seen my my Labradorite anywhere lately. And that was a, a nice, you know, palm-sized stone. It's probably one of the, the nicer Labradorites I've ever owned. But but yeah, either way, I, I definitely think that, you know, the, the concept of, of those crystals dematerializing, <laughs> you know, isn't that much of a stretch when you when you consider like what happens historically when people interact with these entities, right? I mean, you're familiar with some of the the potential things that could go wrong, right? Do you think we're interacting with entities? I don't. You and I. I don't think specifically. I don't think you and I are, but I think given our past conversations on this podcast, we've definitely touched on that subject. You know, with like the whole Castaneda thing and the 
and the idea that synchronicities could be planted and that even crystals can be used as as communication devices. I don't know if that was something we talked about. Maybe, yeah, maybe we did with with the Mormons. But either way, you know, it's 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 out there. <laughs> it's definitely. Well, I, I, and 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 I mean, the the questions you just posed, they always have to go back to the other state or to the foundation. Is like we don't know where we are. We don't know how we got here. We don't know what we're supposed to do. And because of that, really, all things are at least within the 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 potential of you got to be open to it, <laughs> the right. possibility of it. I certainly, it's, those are all the questions which I like to have fun with and play with. I mean, I'm excited about about the about this presentation. I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to go there with with our friend Jesse, though. Okay. Because Jesse, I don't know. I'm certain you know this. Jesse, he he spent time in the armed forces. And in his time in the armed forces, his responsibility was embassy guard. He worked as a guard at quite a few American embassies, and he you know, protected heads of state. So I say, so I say to myself, this is this is someone who I feel comfortable coming along with me as head of security. If you build it, they will come, Mike. I think I think you know the the right people come into your life at, at certain moments, you know, and it's all synchronistic. So whichever path you take, I think tour guide or, or, you know, presenter, I mean, you're doing it all I in some all. form of fashion already, but yeah, it, it definitely doesn't hurt to have a team, you know, like that's, that's like something, I don't know if we talked about the wizard of Oz much last time we, we talked, but but I listened to the Wizard of Oz audiobook, and that was the the sense I got too is like camaraderie, you know, and, and not in like the communist sense of it, but like you know, we we need to to help each other get along, you know. Well, it's funny you say that. Shortly after, so I've spent like probably the last month in the headspace of Ready Player One, Hunger Games, The Matrix, and those type of kind of dystopian future sort of things and, and kind of analyzing those and telling those stories. And outside of that, in the last week, spread out over, or spread out probably over two weeks, I watched with the children the complete Lord of the Rings trilogy, the movie. And when I, wa when I finished watching that, I was thinking to myself, comparing it to everything which I was looking at with the Ready Player One dystopian predictive programming, whatever we want to call it, was there's also, like, for whatever reason, I certainly have my thoughts for what the reason is, there's also more of the inspiring pieces which are put out by, by the mainstream media or the, that, that system as well, Hollywood. And the the Lord of the Rings trilogy on its most simple sense is just what you're saying is about the importance of, of camaraderie and 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 everything that comes with fellowship and friendship on our path. So I, I, I certainly agree with you. And that's you know, there's just been I've been thinking about that whole sort whole concept. Right. Well, in that light, maybe we should get uh, Gabe back in here and, and see what he has to add to the mix. You know, that was kind of the intention with, you know, suggesting we bring other people on the show uh, as guests, you know, and it just kind of fell in my lap synchronistically. 
Let me let me give him another call. Okay, I think we're all connected. You there, Gabe? Yep, crystal clear. All right. Crystal clear. Gabe, Gabe, where are you located? I'm in Indiana, kind of central Indiana. And I think we you, you told that to me before, but I just wanted to remember. Okay, so that's yep. where you are right now. And we've been just discussing. Mark was was kind of filling me in on the gaps of the the from the conversation we were having. 10 minutes ago with you and then also what you were sharing with him prior to our conversation. So why don't we call, why don't we go back to you and, and, and you walk us through what, what you think the significance is or, you know, what, 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 how that affects you, like seeing these, these connections with Baphomet and the river and openness. Yes. So, you know, I believe that, you know, there's a lot of evidence for the Knights Templar having come to America far before what we're told. The Knights Templar were probably here very early on and having much to do with the Ninth Legion of Rome, escaping uh, with a lot of money and coming here pre-colonialization. And... And so a lot of what I believe is, you know, missing history and might have been, you know, wiped out in a a reset kind of has to do with that unifying spiritual technology that you bring forward in so much of your research. You know, the offering of first fruits and a lot of what Ross Ben brings forward with the theory of the lost tribes being here in the Americas. So I, I I certainly concur, and yeah. you did a you did a really nice job just bringing together some of that French linkage, and I'm going to go one step deeper with that, and and this is this is really fascinating to me because they're a big part of the Susquehanna River mystery is why does it have this resonance with the Seine River, which runs through France. Yes. Because the Seine River, it's, it's, it's pre-Roman name. So it's called the Seine. It's accredited to, to Julius Caesar, whether it was he himself who, who named it the Seine or not. Prior to that, it was known as the Sequana. And yeah. there is a strong, just looking at it from this kind of non-crisp, a little bit soft-focused uh, mythological perspective, the, Sus- the, the Sequana, which is what the river was known as, and it was within the, the Celtic culture, is, 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 this was Gaul when, when France was known. Within the Celtic culture, river and goddess worship was, was common practice, and often the people who were tied to a particular holy body of water, they would name themselves or would be called after the name of the river, which is really the name of the associated tutelatory spirit or, or river spirit or river goddess. They're, they're, often, they're often goddesses, particularly with the, with the Celtic perspective. So you have the Sequana with the Sequani. And when we go and look back at the, the naming of the Susquehanna River, remember, this is, a, this is a body, this exists before it's named. And 
theoretically, all of the different peoples who were in what we now call North America living there pre-colonization, there were many different names for the river. But the name of the river, which is stuck through, through history and culture, is the name Susquehanna. And on the, the document which names it, which labels it the Susquehanna, which then going forward all throughout the, the colonial consciousness has also named it and called it Susquehanna, is it comes from the John Smith map. And also on that John Smith map, there is a group of very mysterious people who we call the Susquehanna, who are living on the Susquehanna. So there's this interesting parallel between the Sequana and the Susquehanna and the Sequani and the Susquehannocks uh, in terms of like people and the name and this correspondence. And we can see through just backtracking where the John Smith map of Virginia originated from, it's maybe not directly a, a, a um, Knights Templar lineage, but it's probably not so far. They're, they're very, very close. And if they do line up absolutely perfect, that would not be surprising to me. So all of that is, is, is really, really, it solidifies this, this, French, this French connection. And then on top of all of that, the the capital, the capital of of Pennsylvania. So we we want to think about state capitals, maybe not so much in terms of major league sports teams, because we often think of cities as like you know are they major league sports teams, cities. Maybe not that consciously, but but if you are a city in North America of any sort of, of renown. There's a, a population size. There's usually a correspondence with having professional football teams and baseball teams. And you often don't see that with state capitals. So state capital cities are often thought of, like, for example, Albany, New York. You don't think of Albany, New York is, 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 is anything significant of New York. You think of New York City, if anything. And so the same would be true with the cat. Uh, but that, that does not take away from what the significance of what happens on that land. So the same truth applies to the Keystone State. The Keystone is a Masonic symbol of the stuff that holds it all together. And so Pennsylvania being the Keystone State, its capital is the, is the, 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 the power center of the Keystone State. And that power center, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, it's all French. It's Dauphin County is what it's in. Uh, what it's named for. It sits right on the Susquehanna River. Dolphin is named after the 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 son of I think it's Louis the Fourteenth. Pennsylvania, there's a place in Pennsylvania right on the Susquehanna River, which is called now I, I'm putting myself on the spot. I can't even think of what it's called right now, but it it'll come to me in a moment. But it was where it was where Marie Antoinette and all of the French aristocracy, when they were planning on leaving France, when it became evident that there was going to be a revolution and they were going to take refuge in Pennsylvania at a, a particular plot of land, which was purchased by Robert Morris, which Morris County in New Jersey is named after, who is the wealthiest man in the colonies. He purchased this land, this specific plot of land in Pennsylvania, right on the Susquehanna River, for the French aristocratic class, those who would be able to make it over. It never it never came to being, but this is right by where uh, a natural, geological, unexplained phenomenon occurs, which is known as um, standing stone. And so we have all 
we've got all of that sort of stuff. Like now we're going to go and look at it even deeper. We've got all of these connections between France and, and, and Susquehanna river and, and the Sequana. And now you're adding in this, this Templar, this Templar piece. And it certainly has, <coughs> it certainly has my, my interest and, you did not hear this because you were not on the call, but I was invited to, to give a presentation on the Susquehanna River to a variety of local high-ranking free, or not local, Philadelphia, I don't live in the Philadelphia region, Philadelphia high-ranking Freemasons. Wow. <laughs> and now I'm going to go and add that piece in. I'm going to see what I'm going to, I'm going to try wow. to read the room. I'm going to try to read the room. I'll see what happens. I don't know wow. what I'm going to be. We were talking about this. Me and Mark were talking about this. We're like, you know, what am I walking into if I go and yeah. do this? <laughs> I, yes. It's in a public restaurant. I don't, I don't think anything. <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything's going to happen. If you don't hear from me afterwards, well, maybe, maybe I, I chose. I did not chose choose wisely. But well, Mike, just I'm don't drink right the water, okay? Please. Will, yeah, man. Yeah, bring your own cup. <laughs> bring my own cup. Okay, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. So, so uh, many things uh, come to light. Like, for one, I think you've pointed this out. River sounds a lot like revere. You know, they revere the river. And John the Baptist was initiating people in a river. And so that right there has the magical ingredient of those first offerings, you know. Um. And... So let me ask you a question. Baphomet, mm-hmm. isn't the head, isn't Baphomet supposed to be the symbolic head? Somehow the head of yeah. John the Baptist fits into the Templars lore, but I can't think of the detail. Am yeah. I right with that? You are right with that. And they, they love, particularly they like famous heads. They like uh, heads of people who have collected a lot of, of energy, of attention. Of Skull and bones. Right. Yeah. I knew Mark was thinking that was Geronimo. <laughs> You got it. Yes. You know, they also, you know, Geronimo's skull is part of the equation. Also, the little magician, one president. Oh, his name's going to slip through my fingers here. There's a particular president who is also, they have his head. Oh, um, you're talking about the only guy who's not related to all the other presidents. The the yes. He's got like a Dutch name, Van Buren, Von Martin Buren? Van Buren. Van Buren, thank you. Thank you. Yes, they call him Who the had, little magician. Who's got Martin Van uh, This is all news to me. Who's got Ma- Martin Van Buren's head? Uh, apparently Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones has it also. And this is the guy, the only guy who's not part of the, who does not have a lineage to Charlemagne. Right, Charlemagne, right? I don't know, but I love that it's the little magician because he's just a head man. <laughs> There's no body, so he's the little magician. He's a little magician. I've never heard of that. That's wild. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, this skull drinking thing is, is kind of a, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the guys you're talking to are not into that, and they do it symbolically at this point. You know, but there's also there's a, there is a broad history of this. Blackbeard's skull is said to have been put on a pike. So as soon as they captured Blackbeard, who may have been multiple ship captains, and it might have been a mantle that was handed off, much like Wesley from from the Princess Bride. But when they captured him, they skipped due process and they chopped his head off uh, quite promptly. 
and they put it on a pike outside of Boston Harbor with a sign that says, be ye warned, pirates come not here. And it stayed out there for a very long time until some somebody went out, ventured out, and stole the skull. And then they, this is all myth, and then they lined it with silver and turned it into a punch bowl from which the the first Masonic Lodge, the Green Dragon, the initiates to the Green Dragon would drink from this silver-lined punch bowl that was the skull of Blackbeard. Hmm. So there is a lot of uh, these personalities. They all serve as like a historical nexus point. And theoretically, these individuals believe that they are drinking the knowledge, the experience, and, you know, this, these focal points of information. And they, you know, probably the, the legend might be that you gain their memories and their knowledge by drinking from their skull. Kind of makes sense. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, I understand the logic of it. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. all right. You know, what does that come with? You know, what does that come with? But yes. Okay. Can, can we go back to John the Baptist for a moment? For sure. So... Within within Mormon history, within the, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, the, their founder, Joseph Smith, was the, he has a connection to the Susquehanna River as well, correct? Mm-hmm. And so within their history, the story which they tell is that, that Joseph Smith and his his number two guy, I think his name is Crowley. It's Cromwell. It's, it's Cromwell. It's, it's, oh, okay. It's, but 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 it's close. It's funny that you you say that. But anyway, both of them were visited by John the Baptist, and they were baptized by John the Baptist within the Susquehanna River. Uh, oh, and, wow. you, and you can go. It's, it's one of the neatest things. You know, I'm not a Mormon, but it is open. They have the location where where Joseph Smith lived, they own that land now, and they built a large center, I think it's called the Restoration Center, because from a Mormon perspective, uh, this is where the uh, original church, I think that they are like another version of a church, which, yes, that's exactly what it is. The, the church was reestablished, and so that's why they call it the Restoration Site, and it's the, uh, because the, Something with Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek. I think that's what it is. But anyway, uh-huh. the of what I'm trying to go and say with all of all of this is we're talking about these, the, you know, we talked about the French, we talked about the Templars, and then you also brought up John the Baptist. And now we have within the Church of the Latter-day Saints that that began by also a John the Baptist, you know, a, a character who is primarily tied you know, I'm not a biblical scholar, but mostly in, in that part of the world, the, the, the Mediterranean. But now we've got him over here in North America, and he started, whereas the Mormon Church or the Church of Latter-day Saints, it's not exactly that large of a religious sect by domination, but their influence is enormous is yep. enormous. And so that also is tied into the river somehow within the river mythology. Yes, big time. Uh, I always point out J and B are often symbolic of the Jaquim and the Boaz, okay. which 
which are, you know, the Masonic tracing board, but it's also the pillars of initiation. You're walking into the gates of Solomon's temple. So we have John the Baptist, J to the B. We got Joe Biden. We got Bill Gates. You know, all of these initiation signs and symbols are just posted for everyone to see. You even have a Boris Johnson, uh, you know. And then another one I just want to inject into, because we are, we're talking about the history of old spiritual technology growing into what is today, you know, would be considered magical to the people back then. But now we call it just technology, you know. But something I've heard you talk on before is the term, the letter Tav, as the last, the last symbol of the old Hebrew alphabet, and it's it's kind of it has very enigmatic definitions when you look into it. You know, it means life and death. It is the it is the end of the old Hebrew alphabet, the letter T. However, I see it very much as its own initiation, a sign of initiation as. In Hebrew, the word tavila means to baptize. Hmm. And so when I hear tavastak, hmm. I think of the baptized chattel, baptized stock, and the Knights Templar were keeping the chattel with their chattels, their checks, their little checks and balances with their coated locks that they were moving on their pilgrimage with. And I see Tav all over the place now that I've researched the meaning of the word Tav in Hebrew, because the end of the Hebrew alphabet is the beginning for the English mind, because it's written in reverse. So if you write Say that again slowly. The end of the Hebrew, because we're going from left to right and right to left. Yes. So it has an inversion. So... Right. And if you're reading it in Hebrew, the Tav would be at the far left, which if you come at it from an English perspective, you would start there. Uh-huh. So it has this above, below, uh, uh, crossing over, an initiation point, the beginning being in the end. And, you know, I think that's, we're touching on like the baptism thing completely. I mean, what is a baptism other than an initiation we read from yes. the Theosophical Gallery before you got on the call, and it says that, you know, Baphomet is a symbol of initiation. So wow. I, I picked up my, my Freemasonry dictionary here. Again, not a Freemason, folks. I just am well-read. And in the Freemasonry definition, they say that Baphomet is a corruption of Mahomet. You know, Muhammad. And that kind of makes sense considering mm-hmm. what the Templars were doing with the Inquisition. Their enemy was the Muslim. So they used the enemy's, you know, deity as a sort of inverted deity to like conquer them. And you see that same theme happening when the colonization of the United States occurs. Mike and I have talked about this many times on the show. It's kind of becoming a little bit of a theme for, for me at least, where. You know, I'm seeing that the indigenous cultures here were, you know, completely alchemized, right? You know, Ross talks about this in his work. And when I say alchemize, I'm kind of using it freehandedly. But I think what I'm referring to is that inversion process and the concept of taking one society of people or one culture of people and baptizing them into a new culture. Yeah, yeah. So, uh 
Oh, man, there's so much information here. So in ordinal gamatria, a B is a T. Uh, B is the second letter, and T is the 20th in, in ordinal English gematria. So B and T are very closely related. So if you change the B on Baphomet, you get a Tav. If you change it to a T, a Tavomet, and it ends with a T. So you start with the B on Baphomet, you end with the T. They're both a 2, the 22 Master Builder. I think we're looking at a keystone here, guys. <laughs> so, so uh, can I? I, I want to clarify a couple of words. Well, and for, first, so it seems like we're baptism and and initiation are kind of interchangeable conceptually. Correct? Is that what we're saying? Yes. And then what we could then say is maybe what what an initiation seems to be a general term, and baptism baptism is an initiation via water, right? Yes. So, so there could be like you know baptism by fire. That would, or you know, that would probably be like a little bit the more appropriate, I think, way of saying that would be initiation by fire, as indicating a difference from baptism initiation by water, which is baptism. So we're seeing that. But what is an initiation? What is, what exactly are is is occurring in an in initiation in a general sense? And and I don't mean that necessarily rhetorically. Like I'm curious, like how would you go and 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 answer that or define that yes so if you think of spirit spiritual energies as have as being also an economy then the first item the first experience spiritual experience is at the highest price it's like a collector's item and so it has the highest possible value as any time after that, that you recreate that experience or that endeavor, it is cheapened because it's just a, a simulacrum or a, 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 a carbon copy of, okay. of the first. So the first is, you know, it's a priority. It's the, it's the, the yeah, it's going at a premium because there's nothing else like it and nothing ever can be like it. Because anything else after that that is like it is just a, a recreation. Right, so, right. Like, like I use like the first step. Like, you know, we all, yeah. we, you remember your baby's first step, but you don't care about the 15th one. <laughs> right, right. Like, exactly. But, but there's, there's a power in first. There's an inherent, yes. whatever the first may be, there's something that makes it separate. Just as you could say the same if there's a, if there's a, a last. So, okay. Yeah. And, and our, it, it, I want to point out the birth certificate. Birth certav a kit. Right. Your right. first steps go on that piece of paper. They baptize your feet in that black ink. Who we, who knows what's in that black ink? And then your first steps go onto two dimensional paperwork. You're, you're you're absolutely you're you're right with that. So yeah. go back to what you were saying, though. I, uh, I'm curious where you're going to go with. So the initiation is your first step into uh, a new. I like how you said it. Spiritual economy is is that how you you kind of frame it up or understand it? Yes, and I and ever since I started thinking about it, it it becomes more and more glaringly obvious. You know that so in so many ways the legal system and even the economy is an overlay, a materialistic overlay of what is truly a spiritual experience we're having. You know, and it's almost like they they capture it with all this sensationalism, but. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, what is we're being distracted from is the the true value of 
you know, our own first experiences. And even I, I got to point this out while we're on the subject, Metav verse, the Metav verse. There, right, right, there, right. There, there's a Tav right in the, it's immersed. The Tav right. is immersed <laughs> in the word Metaverse. Yeah, the, the initiation. Yes, yes. So, so go on though. I, I don't think I, I, I quite grasped what, where you're going with the, 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 our first experiences. You're saying about the first experiences. Yeah. Well, for one, they're the most memorable. And, you know, you could, if anybody's ever, I mean, it's in many spiritual uh, philosophies, but one that comes to mind is the Celestine prophecies. They, they brought forward the idea of a life, a life review when you pass away. And so many times life reviews are depicted as a reflection back on the first time you did something, you know, because the first is the most memorable and it is, you know, kind of the most, the most cherished. And so I do believe that there is something to be said about the nature of those memories when you get into the, when you cross over, when you go to the final initiation, which is the ending of life and the beginning of whatever is next after that, there seems to be some indication that we will have a flash back through all of our firsts throughout our entire life. You know, your first love, the time you lost your virginity, the first time you drove a car, you know, all these incredibly impactful, memorable experiences, they will be at an extremely high value in the afterlife, I believe. And so now putting, and that's coming at it from a very beautiful, pure perspective. But if you want to put the nefarious light on things, and you look back at your initiation through life, and if they were if they were captured, if they were claimed by some sinister collective force, then it would probably weigh heavy on your heart in that moment, and you may not pass through pass the scales when you're weighed against the feather, so to say. So, how would you tie that then <laughs> into what we're we're talking about with the that the the correspondence of uh, Baphomet and, and and baptism and 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 Tav to the Susquehanna, mm-hmm. where we kind of began this conversation. Well, I believe that much okay. So much like the economy of spirituality of spir- the spiritual economy, there is a inherent purging a natural inherent purging of, of rejected energy. And, you know, the best example is, is the menstruation cycle. And that, you know, there's, this is really hard to put a finger on, but there is a, you know, even when you get sick, your natural seasonal immune response is a required purging of, you know, the bad toxins and the things you've accumulated. It's required. It has to happen. And so another example I pointed out with Mark earlier was, you know, the Delaware, there's a dam above the Delaware where they accumulate all this runoff throughout the month. And then at a certain day, which I believe is in tune with the moon cycle in some way, 
they purge that dam and the Delaware gets uh, inundated with with garbage and muck and accumulated toxins toxins and the people actually who live there they know when not to get into the water because of the dam cycle so in the spiritual economy there is something to be said about the malefactors of wealth putting all the filth and the dirt and the bad karma onto their disciples and having their disciples carry away that karmic the karmic negativity mm-hmm. and, and, th- wow. and this is very similar to what what how 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 Raz likes to frame things up yeah like in terms of the 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 passing on the karma to someone else the changing it, the timelines you got it yes and so i think of the the clean this is relates to one of the rules of equity is the clean hands doctrine and only he who has clean hands can enter into equity Define that. It is very hard to define. I've been reading on it. So, okay. <laughs> I've okay. never even heard this before. So I'm like, yes. yeah, well, NYC, I want to know what, what, what you mean by that. Because it's yes. fascinating. It is so fascinating. It, I could spend a whole lifetime. So Sir Francis Bacon wrote many of the uh, maxims of equity. If you look into it, you'll see his he's got his fingerprints on it. So ma- the maxims of equity are just absolutely mind-boggling. They're written in English. And you can read them a hundred times and you still don't know what you just read. But it, I believe that equity is, it's a side door jurisdiction in law. And it, I think it has to do with operating in the private. And man, this is really some profound stuff. But if, if, if you, if you have, if you're using a public accommodations of any sort whatsoever, you are availing yourself to the public side of law. And once you're in the public side of law, you are tainted. You're, you are karmically intermixed with everybody else in the world, the mundane. But if you can stay on the private side of law, then you can operate in equity. And this, I believe, is the, I think the clean hands doctrine of the maxims of equity from Sir Francis Bacon has everything to do with the Masons wearing gloves in the temple. And the, the gloves are a symbol of the touchless death. I've heard it called the Aristotelian touchless death, where essentially um, it's even in the military. This is, it's everywhere. I mean, it's just everywhere, but the gloves are a sign that you are absolved from any actions taken by people you have influenced. And so it's also Mickey Mouse. I've, I've gone into in depth about this. It has to do with the hidden hand, you know, people who manipulate others into doing their deeds for them. And the manipulator will wear gloves so that there's no fingerprints. There's no nothing that can be tracked back to them. And then they go into a ceremony and they wear the gloves as a sign of karmic absolution. And so that is a, that's a whole other rabbit hole in and of itself. But the fact that Sir Francis Bacon was pivotal to writing the maxims of equity, I think I'm going to take a big leap here, but I think it correlates to the tabernacle. And many of the many of the uh, procedures for entering into the tabernacle have a very close correspondence to the maxims of equity. You're absolutely right. 
Yes. And, and then I'll pull, circle back to the Green Dragon Tavern. I believe that the green, that it was the first Masonic Lodge. I think that tavern, here's the Tav, is the tabernacle. Huh. And so the Masonic Lodge is like, much like a tabernacle for the Masons. And I think that they are adhering to this spiritual hygiene, these these uh, aspects of spiritual hygiene that are recommended in the Old Testament. I think they observe them also in their in their lodges, their Masonic lodges. Wow. Does that make sense? I'm learning. I'll let, I'll let you go first, Mark, and then I, I've got a bunch of, <laughs> I, I want to reflect back. Well, yeah, yeah this will be brief because I'm learning a lot, and this is... <laughs> This is very relative to a lot of things going on, and I, you know, I still have the white gloves that I wore when I, you know, participated in my grandfather's funeral, you know, and and that wow. was very symbolic there, you know, carrying the ca- coffin, right, or the casket, and and that, you know, when you said gloves, that immediately had a flashback to that, but wow. also, you know, the concept of equity. I learned pretty early in life when a much older friend of mine who was hip to all of this sovereign citizen stuff, you know, helped me get out of a speeding ticket with this really interesting gold leafed document that we spun up with the help of a bank (laughs) and he knew how to do it. All I did was sign my name on it and it got me out of a a speeding ticket. And I, I only really went along with it just to, See if he was bluffing or not. And also, like, who wouldn't want to, you know, not pay a couple hundred bucks to to the state for, in all honesty, something I wasn't even really endangering anybody or myself. I wasn't, you know, that car could have gone a lot faster. We'll just say that. But either way, (laughs) you know, the, you know, that it was pretty obvious, like there was two sides of the legal system and I skirted it just by sheer luck of knowing that person. And since then, I haven't had that same, you know, thing happen. Like I've paid speeding other tickets that I've gotten for here and there, you know, parking tickets and whatnot. Uh, and I don't always, you know, I don't go back to that, but it it reminded me or or helped me realize that exact concept of the the private versus the public and that there's this overlay that certain people are aware of that allows them yeah. to you know, act within a different jurisdiction than the common person. Yes, it's it's so profound. I think of how Tubal Cain snuck onto the Noah's Ark. He secreted himself away. He was a stowaway. He was keeping in the private. And everybody, all the rest of the DNA of the planet is intermixed within the Ark. And they say, this is just a myth, uh, if you drop the words to Balkane in front of a judge, he'll just dismiss everything right away. And it's, there's a lot of those kind of crazy myths, but right. I do, I do believe that, you know, remaining private, establishing your privacy, it, it avails you or it, it will keep you from being availed to the system in a major way. And it goes back to uh, Plato and Socrates and the old philosophers you know, and there's even a more obscure philosopher who I think is kind of amalgamated into Socrates and Plato's works, but he went around challenging all the philosophers of the time, and all he wanted to prove is that the only thing we know is that we know nothing. And that 
that I think is a foundational philosophy of of removing yourself from that. Oh, I understand, which is a lie. <laughs> you really don't understand how this shit works. And if you stay in the private and you never say, I understand, I don't support this. I'm not a part of this. I am private in every single possible way. There's a million ways you have to do it, but it does. It gives you a side door jurisdiction and access to equity. And if you stay in equity and your hands are clean, they can't pin anything on you. Drawn into the your use of the word equity, I, I, I'm not familiar with the connotation in which you would use it. I, I, I just know it in terms of like financial connotation. And mm-hmm. equity refers to ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have equity, you have ownership. And then immediately... I, and listening to what you were describe, how you described the what were they the tenants of that equity the 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 bacon the the bacon maxims the maxims the maxims mm-hmm. of, of equity and and I'm listening to it and and immediately I'm I'm thinking so much about sovereignty yes sovereignty specifically like as you're talking about it towards the law and mm-hmm. like the whole sort of like sovereign sort of thing but I, I brought it back a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more vague and sovereignty being like ownership of oneself, you know, the equity of oneself. I'm like, okay, okay. That, that, that kind of makes sense. And then, and then thinking about then everything which you were, you were saying, Gabe, about these techniques, these so, so there's a, there's a a general truth about this equity and sovereignty and, and stuff like that. And then there is utilizing those those laws, if you will, to to skirt certain things, whether it is like not to incur uh, karma or something like that, mm-hmm. and that seems to make that that's a that's a very very common thread in practice, and you see that in a lot of different ways. Like, and as you were describing, like when you wear your gloves, you're symbolically, I don't know what's going to go on in the, in a lodge, but let's assume something nefarious goes on in the lodge. If you know you're doing it, you also have your, your loophole technique of how I do not, how I'm separate from that. And then also how the, the, just this, these loophole techniques of, of separating oneself from consequences but then also both in terms of an underhanded way, but then which I would say the hidden hand kind of implies something uh, manipulative and or underhanded. Mm-hmm. But then also as a general practice of if I see the a, an economy, and I'm going to use that in a general sense, I'll call our culture an economy. Like if you see like a certain economy, which you do not want to participate in, like what you're saying, like as soon as you cross over from private to public, as soon as you get involved in that well, now you've got skin in the game. You've got skin you're initiated. Yeah, you're initiated into it. There we go. That's exactly it. And yep. so, so that I want to bring this all back to where we began this conversation with the Susquehanna yeah. River. So, if we want to go, at least this is this is my <laughs> this is the way which I view things right now because I certainly don't understand. But this is to at this moment, you know, the best I got is that there is a greater significance to our material world than, you know, what, what is generally taught to folks. And what we're seeing with all of these different organizations initiating the initiator or the vehicle for initiation of life on earth into that system, 
Like it's kind of this, 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 you know, it gets everyone involved. Like you don't have a choice when you, they put your foot on the birth certificate, when you are issued a social security number, you know, you don't really have that, um, you don't have that, that, that choice in mm-hmm. in a very little sense your baby you know you can't say no don't do this to me you know it, right. it doesn't work that way and so looking at those sort of issues and particularly right now because it is my it is my opinion that right now we're in the mix the midst of uh, a transition from one system to another and there is this we're in this time period of maybe what you would call a jubilee because also built into the system are all of these what are seemingly a spiritual truth one of the ways i would imagine of of remaining clean is by incorporating a jubilee within to a system where all debts if you're going to have a debt based system well i'm going to also include into it a a a refresh or a reset of all debts that's what a jubilee is so that kind of like works it in and you know that's part of the system um, but going back to the Susquehanna itself and how it has been initiated into so many of these systems, there's also a oh God, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it 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 fits into this idea of the maxims of of equity. And I'm I'm gonna ballpark it and think it and say that it is called the law of impermanence. And invoking the law of impermanence is more or less saying that that all things are impermanent and so there can be no per there it is by definition impossible to have permanent contracts wow right i mean that's I the logic that. behind it and so yeah. so where, where i'm getting at is as you and i and mark and 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 all of the other people who are kind of witnessing and 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 coming into a greater clarity as to the system we have been born into and all of its intricacies and maybe also recognize like hey i i didn't agree to this like i'm like like i i may have participated in it but i was participating in it because of, of out of ignorance right. and now and now having some clarity of of what of the nature of the system and particularly now as the next system is being introduced is going back and maybe applying some of these laws of impermanence of recognizing like well this is at least what i'm aware of and this is at least what i'm choosing to initiate myself into going forward which is not participating now i know there's a difference of being ignorant and uh, ignorant to something and once you're no longer ignorant then then i would imagine there does come a real responsibility of what we're participating in and so this 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 conversation you know i don't know how we got here but it's been a fun ride but yeah, it, 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 it's, it's hitting at some really really what i would say significant significant a significant map as to how we each individually move forward through the times that are are are, are before us yeah man that yeah, is Mike. uh that is the goal of creating the handbook for the apocalypse that's why we set out to do this right <laughs> yeah guys for sure so jubilee has a j and a b right <laughs> j and a b and you know what I think about? You just inspired it as you were talking. It just dawned on me. What if the Jubilee, the spiritual Jubilee, like we know about the material monetized concept. What if it is the the end of secrets? What if the, the Jubilee is this flood of knowledge that we're all 
swimming in right now. And so the law of impermanence is saying that all of these secret keepers, that now the, it's the end of keeping the secret and the, tr- the truth is out. You know, the, the jug on Aquarius, the jug of Gnosis is spilling out onto us. And that is the Jubilee. Now the truth can be available for anybody who can. Sounds, who can, sounds very Aquarian, jam yeah. the jars spilling out well. Yeah, man. I think we definitely wow. need to, to bring it in and, you know, huddle around <laughs> these ideas for sure in the next, you know, month or so. And then maybe have you on again in the future, Gabe, and, and break yeah. some of this stuff down. Because this was on the fly and, and I figured synchronistically we should just honor this the intuition, the intuitive feeling there. And here we are now. I think it was uh, well worth it. Right on, guys. I agree. This was wonderful. Mike, it was great to talk to you and get a clear signal this time. Oh, definitely, Gabe. Thank you for sharing all that you all that you did. Absolutely. Good luck with the Masonic Brotherhood when you go <laughs> <laughs> That's that's not for another two months. It's not for another two months. It's in January. But we'll you know, a lot a, a lot's gonna happen between now and then. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I got a feeling you'll be schooling them. <laughs> right on we'll see what goes on well Gabe we'll let you go and, and I'll make sure to put your YouTube channel in the episode description for this one and thanks again brother we'll talk to you soon absolutely strength and respect everybody much love alright Mike how was that for a birthday gift for you well that was perfect I love that <laughs> I mean, to be quite honest, that's my favorite thing. I love when people come on. I don't know what they're going to say. And just the spontaneity of, of, of conversation. And, you know, maybe that's a nice way of saying it. I don't like to have to prepare. <laughs> I love it. I definitely feel like I should because I learned a lot today. So I definitely have some more studying to do and some connections to make. But, yeah, this was fun, man. I'm I'm excited for you. Your milestone tomorrow. I hope you have a good one and and all that. And, and yeah, anything else you want to add before we close this one out? I don't think I've much. I, we gave a lot. We we went a lot of different a <laughs> lot of different places. And and what I like what both you and I do, Mark, is we try to bring it back because it's it's there's it's fun to go down rabbit holes, but to always bring it back to at least where we began, I think is 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 an important is an important practice particularly for those who like to play in the realm of ideas, which I would say is an accurate description for me and you and probably all the listeners here. So right. I, I applaud you doing that. I try to do that also. And I thought we got some really interesting thoughts, which, which, which are going to be thought provoking. And that's all we can, that's all we can really do. I love it. So it's yeah. thought here. Yeah. That that's the intention. I hope that people take, you know, this podcast and use it as a tool, you know, go back. If you heard something that was interesting, go back, play it again, hear it again, and then follow up. Don't take us as authority, go and research it yourself. And, and if you do have a a strong opinion or, or some insights that you find along your journey of researching, hit us up podinbox.com slash MFTIC. And we will play your message on the show, or you can get in touch with us Send your birthday wishes to Mike. This episode will be out tomorrow, so that'll be it'll be out on your birthday. So yeah, folks listening to this, do do 
Mike a solid and follow him on Instagram, Susquehanna Alchemy, and wish him a happy birthday for me. All right. <laughs>